Well, good morning. Good morning. Come on. Good morning. good morning. There you go. It's so good to see you. Thanks for being out today. I tell you what, our first service crew, they were soaking wet. They were so, they were braving all of the wind and the waves, and it was blowing sideways, and I really appreciate them being here, and I really appreciate you being here today. And so I want to also say hello to our online uh, community. Thank you for being with us. I especially want to call out Hank Sterling. So Hank's daughter goes to church here, and she's like, man, my dad, he's a truck driver. He watches every week. Hank, thank you for watching every week, and thank you for sharing First City Church with all your truck driver friends. And so I know there's several. For all you truck drivers, man, God bless you. And so uh, there you go. Hey, why don't we clap for our online church? Because there's hundreds of them watching. So thank you. There you go. I was shocked just last week. We had 431 who watched either live or right after that. And so I'm like, my goodness, that's uh, uh, unbelievable. And so we're so grateful for that and for the technology that makes all of that happen. Hey, by the way, uh, guess who graduated with his master's degree yesterday? Look at that. Huh? What a handsome man that dude is. And look at all those children. And so we are celebrating Jesse and the kids as much as we are Taryn because we know they had to do as much work as he did. So here's his phone number. So go to, there you go, Taryn Howell. There's his phone number. Blow his phone up right now. Get your cell phones out. Turn your ringers off. And go ahead and, and, and just I send him 10 different messages. And, and by the way, uh, if you don't normally text him, then put your name. This is, mention your name, congratulations on getting your master's degree, Liberty University, so proud of Terry. Blow it up, blow it up, blow it up, blow it up. Just keep blowing it up. He should, if he's driving down the road, they're on their way back. But I just want him to know how proud we are of him and what a great accomplishment that is. Also, where is Jamie? Jamie Green. Where's Jamie Leland Green? I saw, uh, okay, so she's standing in the back. So Jamie's brother just signed a, 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 a agreement with the New York Giants to play football. How about that? So that's amazing right there. And so, hey, by the way, is today Mother's Day? So happy Mother's Day. So I have a little something I want to read to you. Our family has gone through about every scenario that you can go through as it relates to mothers and Mother's Day. And, and uh, so, so this is for you. I've got it on the board if you want to read along with me. For mamas who have lost a child, born or unborn. For mamas holding a sick child, daring to wonder how much time you have left. For women who have yearned for a child and been unable to conceive. For single women who long to be married and start a family, yet remain waiting. For those wanting to adopt who haven't yet been able to see that dream become reality. For those who needed to let someone else care for their child and had to say goodbye. For single moms of young kids who are too young to know how to appreciate mom as she deserves. For moms serving in the military who are deployed and far away from their babies. For moms of teenagers who have pushed away from them. I see you this Mother's Day. I hold your heart in mine and ask God's grace to find you. For those who never knew their mother, for those who have had a mother walk out on them, for those who had a mother who was there but not there, for those who have lost a mother, for those who have lost a grandmother, for those who have lost a mother figure, I see you this Mother's Day 
I hold your heart in mine and ask for God's grace to find you. May you be comforted in your loss or in your longing. May your eyes be open to those who have mothered you through, with love and care and nurturing, where, whether children have filled your home or not. May you be filled with sweet memories of the special women in your own life who are mothers to you, even if your own is gone. Mothers and mother figures everywhere are deserving of honor. You are appreciated. I sincerely hope there's someone in your life to help you know it. I see you this Mother's Day. I hold your heart in mine and ask for God's grace to find you. I know there are those who just recently lost their mom. There are those who are expecting moms. And you fit somewhere on that sheet. God bless you. Would you just, everybody in the room, would you just lean over or say to the mom or the person, the woman next to you, Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Say Happy Mother's Day. Say God bless you. God bless you. To my wife, Suzanne, I love you. You are such an amazing mom to our children. God bless you. Let's pray. Lord God, right now, I just want to pray over all the moms, all the expected moms, all those who just lost their moms, all those who are moms to other people, all these women who have these instincts to nurture and care for all of our children. God, I pray you bless all the women in this room and in our community, in this church. I pray, Lord God, that you just cover them with your amazing grace. Protect them in your arms of love and overwhelmingly bless them with mercy and comfort and peace. What they do for our community, this church and this country, our world is beyond measure. And we're so grateful, Lord God, for them and their hearts and their compassion and their love and their tenderness. And I pray you bless them on this day and every day. We give you honor, Lord God. We give you honor and, and praise for what you have done for us, the way you cover us and nurture us like a mother does her children. And today we want to tell you thank you. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. And God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. Hey, we've started a, uh, a series called Hezekiah. Hezekiah doesn't have his own book. And so we have to look at Second Chronicles, and, and today we're going to be in chapter 30 and 32. So if you have your Bibles, you can open your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 30. Uh, you have to read about him in Isaiah. Today we're going to look in chapter 30, uh, 22, and then we'll jump to chapter 39. You have to read about him in Second Kings. I'm not going to look in Second Kings today, but Hezekiah's life just amazes me. Now Hezekiah was the king over Judah. And his father was not a good man. He was not a, a godly king. He didn't honor the things of God. In fact, he ran in the opposite direction from God. And so the last 16 years of Hezekiah's life, he watched Judah and this whole country that surrounds Jerusalem go downhill, be carried off. 120,000 really good soldiers and men were killed. 200,000 women and children were carried off as slaves. All the king's treasures, all the, the money that they had in their, in their community, in their town, in their country was taken away by the enemy and they're left homeless and in poverty and without God. And Hezekiah steps in and becomes king. Man, what would you do? Well, he partnered with a man named Isaiah. Isaiah unbelievable man of God. He was the prophet of God for his people at that time. 
And these two men have the same goal. Lead a community of people into a new and growing relationship with God. Now, how do you do that? Well, Hezekiah had one approach and Isaiah had a different approach. And these two men of God disagreed on how to go about leading God's people back into his heart. Well, what do you do when two people disagree? I mean, two really good people. Now, you probably do not have disagreements in your home. I mean, I, I know you pretty well. Erica, you've only been married a week, right? So have you had any arguments yet? No. <laughs> so probably, y'all, you and Jesse probably never argued. You probably never had a disagreement. But let me just, I just want to clue all of you in. Apparently, there are homes of people in our community, and they argue about things. And they want to go about things very differently. Some say we need to spend, and the spouse says we need to save. Some says we need to go to church, and people say, I've heard that preacher, and we can do without it this week. <laughs> people disagree. We need to do something for our future. We need to work over here. We need to move to this city. We need to raise our children this way or that way, and people disagree. Now, in Hezekiah and Isaiah's situation, they had the same end goal. They wanted, both of them wanted to accomplish the same thing. But when it came to strategy and how to go about it, they disagreed. And I want to give you three things in which they disagreed on. The first one was just the, the way that they wanted to approach decision making, doing what was right. The standard for how they wanted to go about doing it. The second was what happens when the enemy comes, when dissonance comes. How, how are we going to deal with that? And then the third one was about personal boundaries. Now, we, we often you know, argue about the same kind of things. So as we look at conflict and disagreement, first of all, it's unavoidable, right? Disagreements are unavoidable. And so I hate to, Erica, at some point in the future, you may disagree. And, and it's okay, right? Now, how did, now, first of all, definition of agreement is just failure to agree on a certain matter, a difference in opinion, an argument caused by having differences in those opinions, and the state of being different or unalike. And I know we tend to marry people who are opposite of us, and so we think differently, we go about things very differently. That's not the challenge. It's how do you handle it when you disagree? Do you have a good system, a good standard? Because if you don't, Sometimes conflict moves towards something more serious. And I want to use a, just a current buzzword in our nation today, this, this word bullying. And so how do, when does something move from being just in conflict or disagreement and over into bullying? Well, look at this little chart. And, and here are two slides. I want to do this one and then the next one. And so if you want, you can take a picture of it and have a conversation later. Because I know right now you're just listening to me. But this may be something that you'll want to have a, a conversation about just in the way you go about it, like with conflict. Disagreement or argument in which both sides express their views. And so is that allowed? Do, are, both, are both sides, are you, if you disagree with somebody, are you both allowed to express your view or does one person shut the other one down? 
Number two, equal power between those two. It's me and my, my opinion, you and your opinion, and we're just coming at these as equal. The, the level here is flat. I'm not trying to get power over you. I'm not trying to dominate. I'm not trying to force you into doing whatever I want. And then the third one generally stops, conflict generally stops when they realize it's hurting somebody. Listen, I didn't mean to wound you. I'm not trying to hurt you. Why don't we pause, take a break, and then we'll come back and have more conversation later. Versus in when it's bullying, they realize that someone's hurt and they just don't care. Because at that point, all they want to do is win or shut the other person down or get their way. Now, I know this doesn't happen in your home or with your next door neighbor or at work or with your sibling or, or somebody, right? But this is, I mean, this happens all the time. And it's going on a lot in our world, in our nation. You know, there's different sides who disagree. And all they want to do is just wound the other side. Are we sure that's the way we want to act as a nation? Now, here's another slide that just puts it a little bit more as in a breakout, which really could cause some good discussion. Because when it comes to conflict, all parties could get upset. And, and, and it's, it's usually in the, in the spur of the moment, but usually all parties want to work things out. We want to come to agreement, even if we're disagreeing. And we'll accept responsibility for what we say, for our actions, how we're interacting with the other person in the middle of this process. And the goal is to solve the problem. Right? The, goal, the goal is not to win or to be better or to have my way. The goal is to, here's the issue. Let's stick with the issue. Let's quit insulting, right? Because then we get to be rude and then mean and then into bullying. And now when, it's, when someone's being rude, you can cause feelings to be upset, but usually the person accepts responsibility. Maybe you've done that before. Been in a conversation, talking, 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 things get emotional, and then you just say something that's rude. That ever happened to anybody? Have you heard that that's happened to someone else before? Stop elbowing the person next to you. So, right, when someone is rude, hopefully you give space for that. Okay, there's, right, well, look, I understand it's emotional. That to my wife and I, early on when we would do this, we would say, you know, look, I, you don't need to say that. that. You don't need to do that. Let's just stick to the argument. And so we found a way. We never raise our voice. We never yell. Now, we've been married a long time, right? And so we've learned how to fight fair. And we would much rather walk away silent and give space than wound the other person with our words. So we're very careful to do that. But when we do, we allow the space because we each know that neither one of us intends to hurt the other, right? But then it can get into just being mean. I'm just mean. I'm just hurting you because I know how to. I know where you're weak. I know where you're vulnerable. I know what to say that's going to really cut you to the heart, which leads more into the bullying side where all I really care is to shut you down and to have my way. Now, when we look at Hezekiah and Isaiah, they never got to that. They disagreed. I mean, they emotionally, verbally, adamantly disagreed. But when you're reading the book of Isaiah, and when you're reading in Kings, and you see where Isaiah talked about Hezekiah, he said things like, No one loved God in all of Judah before him or after him like Hezekiah did. Isaiah really respected and loved Hezekiah. Hezekiah honored, 
respected and followed Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was an unbelievable man of God. You talk about someone who just has faith to trust in God no matter what, that's Isaiah. It would be tough, you know, just trying to be a man of God around Isaiah because his standard for God was so high and so good and he was so great at keeping it. Nobody else around him served God like he did. Hezekiah wanted to do the things of God, but he didn't have a father figure who taught him how to do it. He didn't know how to do it. So he, quote unquote, did the best he could as he pursued God with all his heart. Hezekiah is a lot like David, King David. You know, the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. But King David made a lot of poor decisions, true or false. He made a lot of bad decisions. But God loved his heart, and God honored David because he wanted to do the right thing, even if he messed up all the time. That's Hezekiah. How does God respond to the person who wants to give him their whole heart, but they make a bunch of mistakes in the process? Anybody want to know that? Read Hezekiah's story. He's got a heart that loves God. But he's not always great in the way he makes decisions when he goes about it. Now, I want to give you the end before I pull us through the middle of these three different disagreements they had. In the end, the reason that we have the book of Isaiah is because of Hezekiah. Hezekiah gathered all of the works of Isaiah, all the stuff that he said. As Isaiah captured them and wrote them down, Hezekiah gathered all of them together. And you have that in your Bible called Isaiah. And we have it because of Hezekiah. Also, Hezekiah loved Solomon because he didn't have a dad who honored the things of God. Solomon had a lot of wisdom. And so Hezekiah made a pursuit of gathering together all of Solomon's wisdom. He gathered it all together and put them in a book we have called Proverbs. We have Proverbs because of King Hezekiah. We have Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon because of King Hezekiah. Right? So he's like, I want to tell my story. I'm going to tell everybody where I really messed up. But I want the wisdom of God to be seen in all of that. So Hezekiah is a good man. Now let's get into it. As we start, here comes Hezekiah, and he's now king. And it's awful. Everything around him is awful. And all these women and children who had been taken off as slaves, and, and some of the people in Israel, they were defeated by the enemy, and a bunch of them escaped. And as immigrants, they start coming down from Samaria down into Judah and, and filling into this capital city of Jerusalem. And so the city of Jerusalem swole three times its size. And as they're coming in, they're crying and they're mourning because they had lost some loved ones. They have had everything taken away from them. And God really called them to repent and to fast. And, and he called you know, for there to be this time of weeping over all these people. Hezekiah saw it. But then he wanted to do something that would bring joy and bring God back into the land. So Hezekiah decided, hey, you know what? We haven't, we haven't honored Passover in years. Why don't we have a Passover? Why don't we honor Passover? Which sounded so great. And Isaiah's like, that's the worst idea I have ever heard. 
Because if you were to go back and read the writings of Moses, and you were to read in Exodus chapter 12 for you in your Bible, you're going to find out that God said, this is the way you observe the Passover. This is how you prepare the animal sacrifice. This is how you prepare the altar. This is how you prepare and sanctify and purify the priest. This is when you do it on the day and how you're to go about it. And we can't do any of that stuff. And we're not going to compromise the standard of God just because you feel like throwing a party. Now let's read it. Second Chronicles chapter 30 verses 3 and 4. This is Hezekiah's side. And they were unable to celebrate at the prescribed time. This is the Passover because not enough priests could be purified by then. And the people had not yet assembled at Jerusalem. This plan for keeping the Passover seemed right to the king and all the people. Now you can read in 2 Kings and you can read in Chronicles and, and you can read in, in uh, Isaiah. And, and he's like, well, we're going to do the Passover anyway. So what if the priests aren't purified? So what if the animals haven't been dedicated? So what if we don't have the right altar? So what if it's not in the right month? God, uh, he'll hear our hearts and he'll love it. And Isaiah's like, yeah. <laughs> You don't ever have the right to write your own law, to be your own boss, to tell God what you want to do. You do God things God's way. This is what he said about it. Isaiah 22, 12 and 13. At the time of the Lord, the Lord's heaven armies calls you to weep and mourn. He told you to shave your heads of sorrow for your sins and to wear cloths of burlap to show your remorse. But instead, you dance and play. You slaughter cattle and kill sheep. You feast on meat and drink wine. And you say, let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. You want to throw a party and God's calling you to do something very different and so here's our first dilemma when it comes to obeying God where are you which side are you on you obey God no matter what you do God think God ways or you think well we can compromise and we can do our own standard and maybe God will bless us anyway where are you in that that's a big deal I mean, it's a really big deal because most of us want to live life our own way. We want to set our own standard. We want to decide what kind of movies we'll watch and not watch, what kind of music we'll listen to and not listen to, what kind of television is acceptable, what we see on the internet or what we do, how we talk, how we live, decisions we make, how we party, how we don't. We want to make our own decisions and thank God to be okay with it. And Isaiah's like, are you kidding me? God has given you his word and he has told you how to become holy and you don't compromise that. Now that's the, that's the beginning part of arguments. What is your standard for how you're going to live? Now when two people agree, we're going to hold to the standard of God. And we're going to pursue that. We're not always going to be perfect, but that's what we're going to hold to. Then at least they have a foundation for how they want to live their life and a point of agreement in which they're going to pursue the things of God. When two people disagree, your parents and you're like, young people, you're telling your son or your daughter, you need to hold to the things of God. And they're like, I can hang out with them and it's okay. What's the big deal? It's only, and we can hear people wanting to compromise 
the things that, and it's, look, it's just one time. It's just, I want to have fun. If I were to, okay, so that's just our beginning point. And Isaiah and Hezekiah disagreed. How did it end? Because Hezekiah went on and did the Passover anyway. What happened? We'll talk about it next week. But you can read ahead if you want. I'm not going to keep you from reading your Bible. You can just go to your Bible and just read about it. Right? So that's the first one. Here's the second one. Dealing with the enemy. And when it comes to dealing with the enemy, it's like the Assyrians were coming in. They, they had been being bribed by King uh, Ahaz for years. They were out of money. And so the Assyrians are now, well, you don't have any more money? Well, <laughs> so too bad for you. We're just going to come in and annihilate you. And we're going to kill all the men and take your women and children again. And we're going to haul you off. And then we're going to take over this land, this map, this territory that you call Jerusalem and Judea, right? This, this territory of Judah. By the way, in our world today, the fight is still over Jerusalem. So, how do you go about it? What do you do? Well, Isaiah was like, you just trust God. You just pray to God and he'll take care of all of it. And Hezekiah is a little scared. He's like, well, we have to make preparation. We have to fight. We have to prepare. We have to do something. So he employed the three W's of strategy. We got we to gotta make our own water supply. We got to get a bunch of weapons and we got to build our wall. And so he goes about it. And, and so here you go. Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 4. They organized a huge work crew to stop the flow of the springs. They're cutting off the brook that ran through the fields. Then Hezekiah worked hard at repairing all the broken sections of the wall, erecting towers, constructing a second wall outside of the first. He also reinforced the supporting terraces of the king of David and manufactured large numbers of weapons and shields. He ended up putting those in the temple. And so he's working really hard. We got to work, got to work, got to work, got to work. They're going to cut off our wall. Water supply. So he really did a modern miracle in cutting through rock, this way to bring water into the city. You can still explore that today. He rebuilt the walls 20 foot wide, 10 foot tall. You can go to Jerusalem and you can see a section of Hezekiah's wall still today. And so you, and so, but he's like, we got to work, we got to work, we got to work, we got to work. And Isaiah comes along and look at what Isaiah says. Chapter 22, verse 8. Judah's defenses have been stripped away. You run to the armory for your weapons. You inspect the breaks in the walls of Jerusalem. You store up water in the lower pool. You survey the houses and tear down some for stone to strengthen the walls between the city walls. You build a reservoir for water from the old pool. But you never ask for help from the one who did all this. You never considered the one who planned this long ago. You're working and working and working and working and creating strategy. And I'm just here to ask you, hey, Hezekiah, did you stop and pray even once? Did you, have you turned to God at all? You think you can fight the, the enemy and, and this battle on your own? You're going to wear yourself out and you're trusting in the wrong thing. Well, who's right? Do you prepare when you see rainy days coming? Do you strengthen and fortify and build your home and your future and your plans and your bank account? Just in case, no matter what, or do you just trust God? Now, that's, it sounds really ridiculous. 
But you know what? There are preachers who all over who disagree on how to go about this. And you have two extremes. And uh, I don't want to call out the first guy's name, but he's like, oh, God's here to bless you. And so all you have to do is just, you know, you put in the collection plate $100 and God will send you 1000 And he wants you to live your best life. And, and everything's going to be wonderful. And you need to prepare. And, and, and you have others, and I'll call his name Francis Chan, who's like, listen, you don't need a savings account. You don't, you trust God with all your heart. And I listen to that and I'm like, oh, what? Any of you ever listened to Francis Chan? Is he not tough to follow? I mean, just his faith in God overwhelms me. He just runs after the things of God and God overwhelmingly blesses him. And I feel like such a faithless man when I listen to the words of Francis Chan. I, I honor him so much. A man, his faith challenges me. Rick, what are you saying? Are you telling us not to have bank accounts and security? Nope, 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 nope. I'm just asking you one simple question. To whom do you depend? Your work or the work of God? And Hezekiah and Isaiah disagreed as to how to go about it. Well, Rick, what happened? Did the enemy come? Yep. Did Hezekiah do all that work anyway? Yep. What did God do? Well, we'll talk about it next week. Or you can read ahead if you want. I'm not going to keep you from reading your Bible. But I will say this one thing. This is really for you young people. God overwhelmingly blesses the man who wants to give God his whole heart. And I'm using man generically. God overwhelms the person who seeks God with all their heart. He was so good to Hezekiah. And then number three, personal boundaries. This is a tough one too. This one, this one amazes me and I want to go through it real fast. Hezekiah got really sick to the point of death. He and Isaiah hadn't spoke in, a, in quite a while. And they had had a disagreement. And Isaiah let Hezekiah go his own way. And he did. But then he gets really sick. And he sends some people to Isaiah. And Isaiah comes and he says, Hezekiah, you're sick. You're not going to recover from this. You are going to die. You need to put your affairs in order. And Hezekiah went to God in prayer, which is going to be our next week's sermon. Three miraculous prayers of Hezekiah. And God ends up healing him. And he extended his life. And after he extended his life, something happened to Hezekiah. He got to, he got to thinking that, man, <laughs> I'm pretty good. And he turned prideful. And look at this encounter. The people from Babylon, some group of their enemies, the Babylonians, who ended up destroying them later heard that God was good to him and they wanted to come see him. Actually, all they wanted to do was spy out Jerusalem because they wanted to invade it later. And, but they, they, this is what they said. They didn't say, hey, we're coming to take pictures and spy out the land and we're going to come back and invade you and carry off all your stuff. 
What they said was, we heard God's been so good to you. Can we just come and see how good God has been to you? Isaiah 39, verse 3. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked him, What did those men want? Where did they come from? Hezekiah replied, Well, they came from a distant land of Babylon. Well, what did they see in your palace? Asked Isaiah. They saw everything, Hezekiah replied. I showed them everything I own, all my royal treasures. Oh, boy. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, listen to this message from the Lord of heaven's armies. The time is coming when everything in your palace, all of the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now, will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your very own sons will be taken away into exile. They'll become eunuchs who will serve in the palace of Babylon's king. Something's going to happen. Not in your lifetime, but in your son's lifetime. The Babylonians are going to come and they're going to destroy this place because of your pride. And they're going to carry off all your stuff. And they're going to take your sons. And listen to what Hezekiah said in response to that message. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, This message you have given uh, me from the Lord is good. For the king was thinking, At least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. Can you believe that? What? You mean I'm not going to have to suffer? My, my sons will suffer, but not me. Whoo! Okay, all right. That's, I'm fine with that. This. I want you to see this next verse. That when I read it, it just uh, it, it just woke me up. Second Chronicles thirty two thirty one. However, when the ambassadors arrived from Babylon to ask about all the remarkable events that had taken place in the land, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. God withdrew from Hezekiah in order to test him and see what was really in his heart. Wow. God had been so good to him. He had healed his life. He had blessed him. He had gathered all these people. He had defeated the enemy. He did all this amazing things. And then he saw Hezekiah getting prideful. And God said, you know, I think I'm just going to step back and just let Hezekiah reveal what's in his heart if I didn't, if I'm just not covering all of it. And when he did, he saw what was really in Hezekiah's heart was selfishness and pride. And so much so that when he said in the end, all this is going to be carried away and your sons will suffer for it. Hezekiah said, I'm okay with that. How far we can stray when we lose our personal boundaries. What about your personal boundaries? And when it comes to what's really in your heart, I mean, when God really backs away and he says, I want to see what they're going to, I want to see. I mean, if, if the choice is just theirs, I want to see what they'll watch or what, where they'll go or what they'll do or how they'll talk or how they'll treat each other. If I were to remove my blessing from the land of America, I want to see, will they turn on each other or will they run after me with all their heart? I, I want to see. I, I don't think God wants to destroy you, but He does want to know what's in your heart. Where are your boundaries? What is in your heart? What do you want to do with your one wild and precious life? 
God was really good to Hezekiah. And Hezekiah loved God. He loved God. He had a hard time making decisions at times. But he loved God. So, I want to give you 12 words to end our sermon. 12 words that hold everything together. 12 words. Boy, if you'd get good at saying these 12 words, man, the amount of blessing that will come into your family and into your life will be great. Here are the first three. I was wrong. When you have a disagreement, when you have an argument, when you have something, the two of you are trying to have a discussion, and you feel the emotion coming, pause, and let's say this out loud together at the count of three. One, two, three. I was Oh, Robert, thank you. He's good at that, isn't he? Did you hear that, Lenise? He just said it out loud like he meant it. The rest of us kind of mumbled it. I was wrong. Well, I was wrong. Hey, let's say it like you mean it. I was I was wrong. Boy, I was... Who was that? Fonzie? Am I showing my age? So, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. I, I was wrong. I was wrong. Some of you just need to get, just memorize it. Just get in the habit of saying, I was wrong. Boy, if we can just admit it, and it's hard right in the middle of the argument to just stop and go, you know what? I'm wrong. I am sorry. I did not mean to wound you. Which leads to number two. I was wrong, and I am sorry. Let's do it together on count of three. One, two, three. I am sorry. I am sorry. I was wrong, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Would you, number three, would you please forgive me? On the count of three, everybody together. One, two, three. Please, please forgive me. And the last one. Oh, see, I didn't even have to count to three. Look at someone next to you and say, I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. You feel better already, don't you? Those 12 words will change any relationship to be blessed by... Why? Why? Listen. Why those 12 words... Because you can't do that unless you humble yourself. You have to humble yourself. You have to seek something greater than yourself. And it should be God and then others. To love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Everything falls. And those are just the words that you'll use to demonstrate. Boy, how do you handle a conflict? When you disagree, how do you make it work? Oh, man, may God bless us. As we get comfortable learning how to say those 12 words. And I want you to come back next week as we talk about three miraculous, amazing prayers of Hezekiah. This man who loved God and had a hard time showing it in all of his actions. I want to pray with you. And as I pray over you and I want to pray over just our, our, our relationships and the way we go about conflict and the way we want to bless each other. And then I want us to move into this time of communion. And so I'm going to have here in just a minute, you stand with me as we pray. And this communion is prepared and it's unleavened bread and fruit of the vine. It's just, it's just a little piece of cracker and, a, and juice. 
And it's just two symbols that Jesus gave us to remember his amazing grace when he went to the cross and died so that we could live his way of saying, come all you who weary and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. It's his way of saying, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if I've gone to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there, you will be also. It's his way of saying, I love you. I forgive you. And this amazing grace is available for you. And as you eat and drink, you'll just declare his goodness and you'll say, oh God, I want more of you inside all of me. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray together. I'm so glad you're here. Happy Mother's Day to you. And now let's celebrate Jesus and what he's done for us. So at the end of my prayer, communion is available. Just come forward or to the back or upstairs. Let's share in communion together. Lord God, your grace is amazing. We long for more of you. Our hearts want to turn to you. I pray right now for the one person who does not have a relationship with you. I pray today they begin that walk and that they'll say to you, Lord God, I was wrong. I am sorry for going my own way and I ask for your forgiveness. I want to give you my whole heart, my whole life. I want to turn to you and I love you. And God, you'll respond to that person in overwhelming love. I pray, Lord God, as we interact with each other, that we'll treat each other with grace and kindness. And now as we celebrate this communion time, Jesus, thank you for everything you did for us. We give you our life. We give you all of our heart and thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Come forward. Let's eat and share communion.